Carpenter Hall of Famers, how they underrated? Well, listen to me, they're underrated because I think they're probably top five all time. The fact that the first thing I saw was Disco Inferno, God almighty. And we're getting this again? Hell yeah! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Attitude Era Wrestling Review Podcast, where tonight we will be reviewing WCW Monday Nitro from September 15th, 1997, live from the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. And I am your host tonight, the two-time reigning defending armchair booker of the year and finalist for third in a row drew and my tag team partner the man with the velvet vocal cords arnold is not here tonight he is on assignment still so it's just me running solo again but i am not alone i have brought a special guest referee in tonight and that would be Andrew from the Our Last Meal podcast. Andrew, how are you doing this evening? I'm gonna be honest. I've got about a I've got a beer. I've got about to talk about a bunch of wrestling. I'm as good as I think I could be on a Sunday night. I can't go wrong with that. And you've also I've noticed uh, when I saw you shimmy around a little bit. You've got that nice Brett the Hitman Hart shirt on. I uh, sure do. Best there is. Best there was. Best there ever will be. I am very much a, a Bret Hart guy. Love Shawn Michaels, love what he did, but Bret Hart's the guy. Hey, you're you're preaching the choir here. Preaching to the choir here. Yes, I'm always more. I love Shawn. I love Bret, but I'm always going to, if I had to pick one, I'm always going to pick Bret. I mean, he just, you know, and I've tried to explain this to my wife. I got my wife and my daughter into wrestling about a, about two, three years ago, which That's was awesome. great. Oh, it's it's amazing. We about four nights of a uh, four nights a week now are I'm watching wrestling. My wife and on the couch got Raw on SmackDown, NXT, AEW. I love this so much, and I I I will go on long, long just monologues, just giving her backstory. She'll ask who's that guy, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna need to take you back to 1992 real quick before I can <laughs> really, to really late to really set the scene. And there so, is just so much history with it. Yeah, I mean, I it's you. That's the thing about wrestling is that you can say you can tell somebody like, oh yeah, that's Christian. He used to be partners with Edge, but it's like it's so much better if you can give a lot of context. Like, okay, so they did a five second pose down. You need to understand that. Um, you, <laughs> there's context that's important, I think, to really enjoy it. Um, and better, now, I just like to nerd out about it. Yeah, and that now it used to be like like six seven years ago. You talk about it. Hope to God you can maybe find a clip on YouTube, and now you can just go work or you know peacock whatever i miss the network i really miss the network you are international listeners who still have the network you lucky sons of guns is yeah. so much better i'd like in, to know i know in the i think it was in indonesia is getting it on disney plus and i'd like to know how their interface works because peacocks sucks bad yeah, Peacock, I don't like the fact that if I'm trying to find something specific, it is so difficult to get to the thing. Mm -hmm. it, it should be easier. I mean, 
I, I, I don't know. I was able to find Nitro last night, which was great. But I mean, sometimes you just want to go back and you just want to watch one wrestler. You want to go into something specific and it's just not laid out well. Yep. And remember on the network, like if you were watching a show, it was like time stamped. Yeah. The matches were. You wanted to go to the third match with the, which would be Disco Idiot versus Clown Head. I don't know. You could just go right there and it would be nice. But no, we don't have that anymore. Ah, so, yay. All right. Speaking of things we don't have anymore, let's just get on to this. We open up the show with Ric Flair on, I'm guessing, what was supposed to be an operating table. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Do they really do a lot of Sharpies, though, whenever somebody's going in to uh, get an operation? I mean, maybe. Or were they cutting his skull off? I'm assuming Is that what they were going for. I don't. So maybe they had to like release the pressure. I, I don't know. This is what I love about wrestling, and I've tried to explain my, to this to my wife. The fun thing is when somebody gets injured in in kayfabe in 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 the show. There's no, there's no real medical diagnosis. It's just hey, he went to a, a local medical facility. I love uh, that. Oh uh, no, no, not a fan. Not not of that term. <laughs> local medical facility hospital. He went to a hospital. We're not stupid, Vince. I, you know, here, here's what I like about it though. I like just how ridiculous it is. Ridiculous it is when it comes to wrestling. You you got to really you got to embrace the ridiculous. I think to really enjoy. It. That's how I got her her hooked on it. Was just look. I know it's I know it's silly in a vacuum, but if you just take it at face level, it's amazing. That's what got her. So local medical facility, hook it to my veins. I'm here. It's a violent soap opera. It's it is it is theater <laughs> nerds that got into working out. That's well, yeah, that's true. But, and and God bless him for it. Yep. All right. So we have Ric Flair on an operating table with Sharpie on his forehead and a party favor shoved up his nose. Like <laughs> whatever that was. I'm like you said, releasing pressure, maybe. I don't know. Um maybe <laughs> maybe the cocaine goes in faster that way. I don't know. Probably. But it's weird. Yeah. But don't even ask me what's in his nose. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I just we just like go a, with it. A funnel, so I just assumed, I don't know, maybe Scott Hall gave him his cocaine thing. I don't know. Oh, God. All right. Well, anyway, Shivani gives a big, long speech of how he just loves Ric Flair, got him in the business. So he said, I can't do it tonight, and he takes off. So that leaves us with Zabisco and Tanay on commentary for the first hour. And I'm like, all right, we'll see how this goes without Shivani. I'm, I like Shivani, but he's he's not my he's not the best ever, but he's serviceable. He's better than you said you watch AEW? I do. I do. He's better than that mask moron. I don't know. Excalibur, I he's not he's not the best. I like Excalibur okay. I think what I like about uh about AEW commentary, I do like Shivani because I there's so much of my childhood that he called. I love that you've got JR there. And I've I was explaining this to my wife earlier, is it an announcer that's what that's part of what makes it. You need an announcer that really gets you into it and gets you to believe. So Shivani, I love the fact that he starts out. I don't know if he's got acting uh, a background, but God, he he killed it with a, you know what? I I can't do this. The way he just he kind of he he poured his heart out. He got up and he walked off. Oh, he sold it. I lo- he did. I loved it. Um, and I, I like her. I forgot how much I liked early Shivani. And anytime I hear his name, even now, I don't know if this happens to you. The the thing that always pops into my head is Dusty Rhodes yelling Skiavani. Yeah. <laughs> I once a week I'm saying Skiavani to no one but myself. And I can't explain it to my wife. I can't. I can't really put it into context, like why it's so funny to me. But it just is. 
Now, if I'm quoting Shivani on a weekly basis, it's something that I'm looking at that I don't know what to do with. And I just go, how do I call this? <laughs> how am I supposed to call this? <laughs> when he gives up on just um, uh, Hogan and the oh. finger poke and all that. Because he's like, how am I? Or, no, was, no. He said that it was, um, oh, it was Russo's when he oh, fired God. Hogan in, at whatever bash the beach. How am I yeah. supposed to call this? <laughs> And that's, yeah, I mean, that's mine. If I don't understand it, how am I supposed to call this? And the wife <laughs> looks at me and goes, what? Nothing. Never <laughs> because she doesn't watch wrestling, and she'll watch oh. it. Like, when I'm watching it to review it, she'll look up every once in a while and ask, like, a silly question. Not a silly question, but a question I can tell the undertones are, you watch this crap. <laughs> yeah, well, and see, this this goes back to what I said earlier. If you If you look at it just in a vacuum, it's hard to... So AEW, I'll use this as, as an example. It is hard to explain to somebody why the evil Canadian guy in the sling is trying to make the dinosaur man mad at the little jungle man. In out of context, that doesn't make sense. In context, you're like, oh yeah, it makes perfect sense. That's the thing about wrestling. It's 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 if you're coming in completely blind, I feel like it's hard to really pick it up. But God, you can get in there and you can really have a have a lot of fun with it if you start to get into the lore. Yeah, true. True, true, true. I'm, I now one. I will. I will admit this wholeheartedly. I do not watch modern wrestling. I don't like it. It's not my thing. If I, and obviously you do, which is perfectly fine. But if you if <laughs> if you still want to talk, don't go listen to old episodes and hear me just bash the absolute hell out of it because I don't like it. I'm an old school dude. Even a lot of this is getting a little past what is comfortable with me. I'm real old school. But, you know, some of this I can like. Some of the new stuff, there are some people, some modern guys that I like. MJF, oh, oh my God. God, I love that guy. He, is, he would have been, any any era, he's a star. Oh, it yeah. It does not matter. And the one big thing that I think I don't like about AEW is the thing that I'm most passionate about. Like when I did my intro, I'm the armchair booker of the year. Yeah. Tony Khan cannot book at all. He annoys me. There, there are things that are in, insanely questionable. You've got, you've got some stuff that's been like bright spots. You know, Hangman Adam Page. I didn't, I didn't get into uh, AEW. The first show I, I watched, honestly, was the uh, Brody Lee tribute show. I watched that just because, like, hey, you know, Brody's passed. I know they're going to honor and they're going to do a good job, and they did. I didn't really get into AEW until NXT moved to Tuesday nights. The reason I did that was. NXT, I didn't watch wrestling for years. We're talking 10 to 15 years. And what got me back into it was watching Lucha Underground on Netflix. It was so ridiculous, but I just I enjoyed it. And that kind of pulled me back in. And then I picked up NXT. And NXT got me back in with uh, Tommaso Ciampa, mm. uh, Malachi Black, Johnny Gargano. Those guys, like just seeing what they could do in the ring and the stories they could tell kind of pulled me back in. Now, I um, will admit, I did watch that era of NXT. Yeah, I Man. did. I that's when I really kind of got back into it a little bit. Like you, I left. Well, I'm trying to think. The I left around 2001, like right after the invasion. I'm like, okay, they boggled this so bad. I went away to college uh, and I just yeah. kind of got away from it. And I didn't watch it for like you said, probably. Well, I left in about 2002 ish because that's when I went to college, and I didn't come back into it to probably 2016, 2017. Yeah. And, I think I lasted another two or three years after you, and that was it. Yeah. 
And because I never saw any like the ruthless aggression there. I've seen clips. So when we eventually get there and have to change our name, I guess maybe, <laughs> but um, yeah. So yeah, well, there's a good history of our wrestling backgrounds. I'm glad you did that because I usually ask that question to new guests first and I completely just skipped over <laughs> it. So can we just kind of got that out of the way there? All yeah. Right. Well, it's it's fun too because for me this this episode, and I'm I'm sorry to, to to do this, but I'm just this is how excited I've been for this for coming on the show is this this episode I vividly remember maybe not vividly I remember watching this episode because I would have been ten at the time I remember freaking out like oh my god Ric Flair I didn't ha- I I didn't get to watch the pay per views as a kid because I I couldn't I couldn't hit my parents up for fifty bucks every month for a, a wrestling pay per view so the next night I'm seeing Ric Flair I'm like what the hell. You know, and it also turns out I grew up outside of Charlotte about 45 minutes to an hour. So this episode, when I saw what it was, I remembered this was a couple months after I got into wrestling. I remember watching this episode and it's it's just cool to me, too, that this happened just up the road from me. Yeah, that would that was kind of just serendipitous time. <laughs> Serendipism, <laughs> me booking or no wait, I'm a great I'm a great guest booker. And that's exactly what I meant to do. Let's just say that. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that one. That sounds good. And speaking of what happened to Ric Flair, we actually got video, not stills. We got video from Fall Brawl. Crazy. We never get that. So that's how important this moment was to me, that they yeah. actually gave us video. And they still do. I, I hate that they still just show stills instead of actually showing video. It's... Like you can go online and find everything now, but they still to this day. Wait, they, they still it. just do that? They did it from Crown Jewel last week, so they were showing stills. They they they've gotten better, but they've gotten better, but they still do a lot of just showing stills. And it's the dumbest thing in the world. I mean, I understand you can't show like five minutes of TV time, but a fifteen second clip. Yeah. Well, I don't know. WCW, they at a certain point, you know, they are going to show they're going to show a whole pay-per-view match because they don't know how to book a pay-per-view. Oh, well, that's true too. We'll get there. We're <laughs> we'll get that's our tagline. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Fair enough. Speaking of things we're going to get to, let's go ahead and jump into our first match of the night. We get that bird beak giant moron disco idiot versus the man of a thousand holds, the Iceman, Dean Malenko. Oh yeah, I we I say we because Arnold will wholeheartedly agree to this. Hate Disco Inferno, and my goal in life is to actually piss him off enough where he like blocks me on Twitter because he refuses to block anybody. I will piss off that man enough where he blocks me. I, this I'm just gonna tell you just how serendipitous this this episode is for me is. I watched this last night and told my my wife that this show started off with such a tragedy. And I'm not talking about Flair getting his head slammed in a table or in a uh, in a cage. The fact that the first thing I saw was Disco Inferno, God Almighty! When I was a kid, I I'm sure I thought he was entertaining or funny, but it's a it's a 20s in the 90s. It is 20 years past when Disco was even remotely relevant. Mm-hmm. Just like his opinions are now. Yeah, Disco Glenn Gilberti, he's a He's a he's a dick. Dumbass. He's yeah, a dumbass. He, he's he's so bad. Like you were a terrible wrestler. You you never drew anything. You're. I'm just gonna say it. He was worse. He was probably the worst thing in WCW in terms of somebody that actually got a lot of screen time. Yeah. And they just show. I mean, and for for what reason? Other than I guess you you some people thought you were funny in the back. 
that's all I can get. I mean, his work wasn't terrible. It's not like he was offensive in the ring. It wasn't great. It wasn't no. like his gimmick was god awfully stupid. He yeah. wasn't good on a microphone. I never understood how he lasted. He lasted till the end, didn't he? I think so. But then never then WWF went, uh, no. Yeah. Well, you remember for they tried to make him relevant again at one point by changing his name. Uh, it was still Disco, but it was spelled with a Q. I oh, think this was around Tom Cisco at the time. Cisco, yeah, that's yeah. a Russo thing. Who's another? He can go yeah. right Scrutin- up the river with him. Yeah. And yeah. I, I felt like I felt bad. Like Dean Malenko, you know, Dean Malenko is freaking amazing. I, I, Dean Malenko is another guy. I loved him as a kid. I know he wasn't the most exciting, mm-hmm. but even at ten, I realized how good he was in the ring. Yep. And I was a huge fan of the cruiserweights too. So he was this amazing mat-based technical wrestler. He was absolutely incredible, um, you know. And the nicknames, like you said, Thousand Holds, Iceman. Come on. Yep, we have we have an award show on our show here each year, and we give out Wrestler of the Year and things like that. Dean Malenko for 1996 was my Wrestler of the Year winner. He got my pick, um, and I'm glad you said you know. You know, how great he was, I've always said, I've said it from, I think, our very first podcast when we first saw him, or no, one of the first episodes when we first saw him. If he was two inches taller, yep, he would have been a 10-time world champion. No doubt about yeah. it. He didn't need, he didn't need the talk. His gimmick was, he didn't have to. When he did, he could do it. And if you had to, you could give him a mouthpiece. But he was just so good in the ring so fluid everything looks like it hurt he sold well he could do anything he could high fly if he had to he could mat he could suplex he could brawl if he had to Dean Malenko was the prototypical wrestler who could do everything great you have a bunch of wrestlers throughout history that could do one thing great or they could do a lot of things well Dean Malenko could do everything great, and I I love it. Yeah, that and that's a hill I'll die on. Dean Malenko, he he was a he he was one of the bright spots in WCW for such a long time, and it just I I guess I loved him even as a kid. Just realizing, I you know I could see he was something special, and he did such an amazing job with the other cruiserweights he had. Like my my all time favorite, and we'll get to this is Rey Mysterio. Those two in the ring together, absolute magic. Mm-hmm. Absolute magic. Yep. You know, I think about a guy like Malenko nowadays. You imagine a Dean Malenko right now in NXT. And I know you said you don't watch a lot of modern, but I think about Dean Malenko and against somebody like Johnny Gargano, that would have been uh, would have been a classic. And and the other cool thing was I forgot how much I love that combo he sets up, the double underhook power bomb straight into the Texas Cloverleaf. Yep. That was oh beautiful. It was smooth. Beautiful. Which, speak of the devil, guess how this match ended, folks? That's right. Double underhook powerbomb right in the Texas Cloverleaf. Bird beak taps. <laughs> match over. Yes, we we absolutely hate Disco Inferno in here. We, we'll make fun of him every chance we get. Well, guess who else can? The crowd, because they're chanting Disco sucks. <laughs> and guess what? This isn't heel heat. This is go home, get the hell off my screen heat. Um, I wrote it somewhere in, later in this notes conglomerate of notes I wrote because I do mine all by analog. 
<laughs> not by not by computer, but somewhere I wrote this crowd was hot tonight. Charlotte brought the A game, especially on the hard cam side. It looked yeah. like a group of college kids. What what college is close to right so, there in Charlotte? My if I had to guess, I'd say probably UNC Charlotte would be uh you know 10, 15 miles uh from where this was. Um, but I, I took the same note. Like I, I actually said, I love exact. I love how much the crowd is in it since the beginning. They right off the bat, they were hot. Yeah. Energy was through the roof. They were chanting disco sucks pretty hard. And you could tell it wasn't, Oh, you're the heel here. It was, yeah, you suck. You literally suck. Get off my, get out of my, get out of the ring. I don't want to see you anymore, but yet he sticks around for another five years, four years. Who knows how? I don't know. Um, tell you. This match was good, and that's all because of Dean Malenko. But like I said, Disco could carry himself in the ring. It wasn't like he was the worst wrestler on the planet, like working wise. I'm not, I'll give credit where credit is due. He wasn't that bad. The gimmick was egregious, but he could go, and Dean Malenko is like Bret Hart. He could have a match with a broomstick, and I'd probably say, that was great. Let's watch it again. <laughs> and he just about had to hear. No, I can't. I can't. See, I can't. <laughs> I can't. He's Disco's not terrible in the ring. I won't make fun of him for that. But Malenko goes over Birdbeak here, which is the right call, especially as dominant as it was because Disco didn't get a whole lot in here. This was this was Dean Malenko just dominating Inferno here. He was there just to put his shoulders in the map. Right call booking wise. This one is a nice way to kick off Nitro. I probably would have went with the next match first instead of this order, just to switch them up because I like the next one better and I think it was a better match. But whatever, I'm not going to say you could go either way with that. But for this match i'm going to give it a b plus which is a pretty good grade i explained how we give grades right what they mean yeah okay that's what i thought so uh, i'll tell you i gave it a c and you could talk me up to a c plus and the, the reason is purely that disco was inferno was in the match it's like that's that's the way to kick off the match you know the show i i know i'm being kind of harsh because he was not horrible in the ring as bad no, as i he get it as a, i get it as, I'm, I'm fine yeah. with it yeah, but Malenko, I mean, it's like you said, Malenko, he could have had – Malenko, you could throw him in the ring with me, probably even now he's older. He'd probably still make it look decent, you know, yeah. would keep me from hurting myself. Yeah, I'm, yeah, he's somebody like – if he was around today when size isn't as big of a thing as it yeah. was, you know, in the early to mid-90s when he when he was at his prime, oh, man. he would be – I mean, I could do a laundry list of people, even modern wrestlers that I don't care for as much today, that I would like to see wrestle Dean Malenko. He's, yeah. as pure workers, he's probably on my Mount Rushmore. I'd give you that. You know, and just, you think, did we ever get to see Dean Malenko versus Kurt Angle? I don't think we did. I think, I don't think they crossed over, did they? Oh my, yeah, I mean, that'd be a good one. Give me a trip. Well, I hate triple threat matches, but just for argument's sake, give me Bret Hart, Dean Malenko, Kurt Angle, in a triple threat match. Yeah, that's that. That right there would be incredible. I, you know, I, you know what? The hell with that. Give me Bret Hart and Dean Malenko versus Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels in a tag match. 
Oh, I like the layers there too. Okay, so I like I like okay, you've got two pure pure technical guys that are, you know, they can they can get over being the kind of stoic guy. Kurt Angle, this is what I love about Kurt Angle too, and I know that that's not what we're talking about, but I've got to say, Kurt Angle, absolutely incredible in the ring, insane as a slapstick guy. He was such a good comedy act when he needed to be, that, but the yeah. way he could flip the switch. Yep. Yeah, I I would I would watch that. Yep, that'd be a good match, and I like tag team matches, but I'm not Same. going. You gave this what a C. Yeah. Eh. Well, you know what? I understand the disco bias. I get it. But doing this every week, you can't slap every – you can't punish everybody he wrestles just because they somebody told him they had to. But but as a guest, I absolutely understand how offensive <laughs> seeing him on TV is. All right, so we'll move on to our next match. It is a tag team match featuring Ming and Barbarian, who were introduced as Ming and Barbarian and not the Faces of Fear, kind of interesting, versus – Harlem Heat with Miss Jacqueline. All right. I I'm gonna go ahead and just I don't usually do this, but the first things I first thing I wrote in my notes was not intro to faces of fear question mark. And that was when their entrance. Then I heard Harlem Heat's music and wrote, Hell yeah, exclamation <laughs> point. I am all about four big dudes in a ring just beating the hell out of each other and I'm I'm here for it. I always yeah. am. I've seen this match before. We've had it at a pay-per-view like 6 months ago. Don't care. Would watch this on Nitro next week and still be just as happy of to see it. So really love this one and was really excited for it. I love Ming, I love Barbarian, always have. I love I love Harlem Heat. One of my favorite tag teams of all time. So underrated. I, I know I say underrated. There's somebody's going, but they're Hall of Famers. How are they underrated? Well, listen to me. They're underrated because I yeah. think they're probably top five all time. Oh, see, this is okay. So, first of all, I'm with you. The face, the fact that they weren't introduced as Faces of Fear really confused me because as soon as I saw them pop up on, or them walk out the thing, I was like, oh, Faces of Fear. And then it says Ming and Barbarian. I'm like, I was confused. And then you on their but on their gear it said faces of fear on the side. It was weird. Um, I loved both of these teams growing up. Ming and Barbarian scared the hell out of me when I was a kid, just because just two big dudes. And you know, and Ming Haku, you know, he's got that that he's known to be probably one of the toughest dudes that's ever wrestled, like legit tough dudes. Oh yeah. And then Harlem Heat, man. If you don't like Harlem Heat, you're you're lame. I'm sorry. They're such a fun tag team, and I can I, even. It, they're so awesome that I don't even pay attention that they're supposed to be from Harlem and talk like they're from Southern Texas. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to, though. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And they were just – they were so great growing up. What was cool to me, though, you know, I think uh, Stevie Ray, he gets a lot of hate for – like now people look back and give a lot of give him a lot of crap for how he was or how how good or how not good he was. I thought he was fine. I have, yeah, I've never got that. I was he as good as Booker T? No, yeah, no, he wasn't. There was always you're not, in a tag team. You're always going to have one person that's better than the other. Was Janetti as good as Michaels? No. Was Road Dog as good as well? Was Billy Gunn as good as Road Dog? Or I mean, those two are a little different. 
Yeah, that's kind of a that's a little I can't say that one because one was better at one thing and the other one was better at the other thing and they got worked so great together because of that. So I can't say that one. Was Bobby Eaton better than I can't say that one because they probably were about equal. Damn. Um anyhow. Well, there's a modern uh, comparison because, like, I watched it and my thought was, okay, Stevie Ray was not as bad as I, I, I was led to believe he was, you know, and then remembering, like, ah, oh, he was never as good. I was like, he's fine, he looks good, and then Booker T came in, and I was like, oh, okay, it's not Stevie Ray was bad, it is Booker T was that good. Mm-hmm. I think a modern equivalent is, and I don't know if you if you're familiar with their work, um, Street Profits, Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins. The yeah. modern guys. I have seen. I watch. I will say. I told you. I don't watch any modern wrestling. Occasionally, I might pop on a pay per view. Like I will watch every Royal Rumble ever. You can't miss the Rumble. I will watch every Royal Rumble, and I've seen the Street Profits before. And yes, they. I see where you're going with this. So I'll shut up and let you finish. Well, it's, okay. So a lot of people. I've seen people say like, "Oh, Dawkins isn't as good as is Montez Ford." It, to me, it's not. It's not that Dawkins isn't as good. Dawkins, I think, especially the last couple of years, has improved. He is. He's great in the ring. I think. I think he's great on the mic. I, I find him entertaining. But Montez Ford is. He is special. And looking at Booker T, you could tell he was a superstar just waiting to be made a superstar. It was. You could tell it. They were just. It was just a matter of not not if, but when is he going to be able to just go to that next level, and be the guy that he is. And it was incredible. He was absolutely incredible. Yep. I agree, and I like the Street Profits. I think they – I could see that they are – if somebody wanted to call them the modern-day Harlem Heat, I'm okay with it. I think they're great. Yeah, I mean, it's – I don't the, know. Well, the limited I've seen of them, I think they're great. They may be – they may do things that really tick me off. But <laughs> from what I've seen, I think they're great because sometimes I'll like somebody, then the next day they're doing something incredibly stupid like gluing – tax to their shoes i don't know actually i never liked those two but anywho i was gonna say i i, I kind of feel like there's a i know who you're talking about um it, let's see this is the thing with wrestling i think is like it's there's something to appeal for every to everyone you mentioned you love you're a big a big fan of just big dudes beating the crap out of each other you know i like flippy stuff man but you know you can watch an hour and a half two hours of wrestling and get a little bit of everything mm-hmm. that's true absolutely and this one this one, uh, like I said a little bit ago, this was four big dudes just beating the ever-loving crap out of each other. It wasn't <laughs> a whole lot of technical wrestling. I mean, it was, there was wrestling. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't just punch, 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 kick, kick, kick. There was some wrestling in there. But this was never going to be a technical mat-based, I'm going to get you in a hold and we're going to have submissions. No, this was Ming, Barbarian, Stevie Ray, and Booker T., beating the ever-loving piss out of each other, which is the exact kind of opposite we got in the other one, the match before it. And, well, and kind of opposite of the next match we'll have. We'll get there. And I love the juxtaposition of it. We get told at the beginning that Stevie Ray's injured. He injured his Achilles heel last night at Fall Brawl. Well, it wasn't hurt too bad because he's not limping at all, so I don't know (laughs) why we got that comment. Okay, Maybe he wasn't selling well. See, when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, we heard that. That'll give him, they'll work that, or they'll work his leg or something, and maybe that'll work into the storytelling. Nope, never heard yeah. of Never happened again. He never limped, never missed anything, blah, blah, blah. The Which only, cr- sorry, the only thing that happened in the match that 
kind of might have happened to it is he went he had a suplex on Ming and didn't fully get him up and over but I think that was more of a Ming didn't push off far enough and Stevie Ray legit <laughs> had to pick that big man up. Yeah. I don't think that was much because his leg didn't give out. If his leg gives out, he's dropping on his head and that like a brain buster, a shoot brain buster. But he got him over. It was just that was upper body strength and that is a strong hoss right there. Yeah. You know, I, I think you said something earlier that you know this match should have kicked off the show. I agree. I think this was a high energy match from start to finish. And I'm also I I love tag team wrestling. I'm just like you. I love tag team wrestling. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that pissed me off about Vince for so long is he it seemed like the only reason he wanted to create a tag team was so he could break him up later. Well, that's all it was. It was a vehicle for drama. Yeah. You know, but tag just a, a, a two guys that are just like, yeah, we're just gonna be a tag team and that's our goal. I love that. But I love shows that start off with an absolute banger of a tag match. I think this would have been better first, but I, I thought it was a great match. I, I, I enjoyed it yeah, a ton. Yep. Um, we see Raven in the crowd doing his weird Ravenish things, <laughs> I guess we could say. He's been there. He's, we haven't seen him really in the ring, but like one match versus Stevie Ray, and that was, we didn't even watch that because it was on like Clash of the Champions. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen full. We haven't seen full Raven yet. We know what he'll be later down the road. Um, Ming and Barbarian are dominating Stevie Ray. Like he took the whole heat in this. This whole match was Ming and Barbarian beat the crap out of Stevie Ray. Set Booker T up for the finish, or for the comeback and the finish. Um, Ming and Barbarian go for their double headbutts. Whiff on it. Booker T finally gets that hot tag. Cleans the house. And he goes to pin Barbarian, but Ming was the legal man. If you listen to our Raw review, same thing happened over there, same tonight. But so Nick Patrick won't count it, which confuses Booker T. Like, duh, what's going on here? (laughs) Uh, Then Ming says, you know what, the hell with you. Grabs the Tongan death grip. Booker T passes out. Ming and Barbarian win. I will admit this especially from watching this, like watching WCW over the last couple of months, did not see Ming and Barbarian winning this. I would have lost the house in Vegas on that. I was really surprised by that too. You know, this felt like a perfect match for the faces to go over. You know, it seemed like Harlem Heat, they get the crowd behind them. They're they're amped up. I I remember thinking, oh, they're going to win this. That being said, when he hit the tongue and death grip, I love that move as a kid. Apparently, I still love it as an adult because I remember freaking out. Just I, I, before they even said what it was, I'm shouting "Tongue and Death Grip, Tongue and Death Grip." I just want to every time I see it, I want to make a little clip of it. Like he grabs him and goes, and I just want to have somebody go tickle, tickle, tickle. <laughs> I don't know what why. Else? I mean, it's a great move. It's a great hold. Just because I mean, it's not a choke because he grabs him. I don't know. Adam's apple. Well, that's, yeah. and that's, see, that's what I like about it too. Was it's the perfect move because Ming looks like a guy that if he took two fingers and grabs you by the throat, I would immediately tap out too. Ming's the kind of person that if I passed him in a grocery store aisle, I would just drop my wallet and run the other direction. Forget the back ball. alley. <laughs> like before we pass at Walmart, I am dropping my wallet and sprinting the other direction. Which is funny because they say like in real life he's like the nicest gentlest man ever until you piss him off but 
I'd be afraid. Of, I'd, I'm afraid my shopping cart would tap his, and I get <laughs> tongue and death gripped at Walmart. <sighs> I love it. He, I, I, don't, I love it. He put a little mustard on it too with the hands, and then hit him with it. As oh he, yeah, it's it's wonderful. Um, but yeah, I I like this match. This one was really good to me. I didn't get the booking of why they went over. Kind of weird no. to me. The only thing I can get is. Maybe Stevie Ray is still a little injured, so we're going to kind of push them down the card a little bit, kind of write them off TV. Not write them off TV, but we're not going to push them. And Ming and Barbarian have kind of been floundering as of late. For the love of God, we saw them lose on a pay-per-view match to Public Enemy before they, thank God, left. Oh, God. So no, no team deserved to lose a public enemy. Oh, I hate public enema. Oh my god, they were <laughs> absolute crap. I just I never got excited to see them on a show. I was never like, oh great, public enemies here. Nobody else was either. One of the <laughs> worst matches we've ever watched on this podcast was Public Enemy versus the Nasty Boys at oh, dear god. Bash at the Beach 1996 in a no DQ match where one of them grabbed an inflatable shark, hit somebody with it, and that guy sold it. It's one of the rare matches where I gave it an F-. minus. I'll be honest. There there are things in wrestling that are sometimes hard to explain to somebody. I, I told you the... You know, the jungle... You know, why is the, the dinosaur man mad at the jungle man? I could explain that. I couldn't in good... I could not look somebody in the eye and explain why a guy getting hit with an inflatable shark, like why he actually looked like it hurt him. Yeah. Oh, he sold it. Fell backward, took a bump, everything. It was awful. Worst match. It On our... Well, I mentioned our award show. It won worst match of the year, hands down. Like, we didn't even debate that topic. We just said worst match of the year. We looked at each other and went, yup, and moved on. <laughs> so that's what it was. But Dear this God. one, this match was not worst match of the year. Was it match this of the year? Cool. No. Was it match of the night? Maybe, maybe not. Actually, no. To me, weirdly enough, it's not even the tag team match of the night. And folks, when I tell you, you listeners out there, what the best tag team match of the night was, you <laughs> are going to crap your pants because when you'll let's just keep listening, you'll see who's in it. But as far as this one goes, I gave this an A minus. So yes, I gave the other one an A. Spoiler alert. You'll figure out who it is later. I gave this an A minus. I like this. This was really, really good. Really entertaining. I like we said earlier, should have kicked off Nitro, but I'm okay with it second because usually the second I yeah, no what? No, no. This definitely should have went first and disco <laughs> idiot second because he should never open a show. And God knows he never closed one. <laughs> Hi oh, oh yeah, A minus for me. I, we're not too far. I'm gonna go to B plus. Um, I think I think if uh, if Harlem Heat won, I think that would have pushed it over a little bit more. I think booking wise, it would have made more sense. Um, this is a fun match. I just I just really enjoyed this one. Uh, you know, again, 25 year old show. I'm still enjoying it. Last night, I, I got I got no real gripes on this other than yeah, I think Harlem Heat winning would have been better. Um. I think giving you a little more time would have been nice too. That was another thing I noticed watching the show was that the matches were they were shorter. They were a lot shorter. Um it was I liked it. Yeah. Limited limited modern wrestling I've watched. That's something you'll notice real quick. These matches do not go twenty minutes. 
Right. Very rarely. Maybe the main event, maybe a special match where there's something involved, but just your every everyday show match, TV show matches don't go 20 minutes. And I, I'm all for it. I think that's one problem I have with modern wrestling that not every match needs to go 20, 30 minutes. And that's, I mean, that's what it is. No, so, I get that. Yeah, that's that. That that is, uh, you know, we don't have to jump down, go down the rabbit hole of the problems of modern wrestling. I love it, but there are a lot of things that could definitely be improved. And that I agree. Not everything needs to go half the show. Yep. Now, sometimes, sometimes it does. Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle in a sixty-minute Iron Man match on <sighs> Raw, or I think it was SmackDown. Randomly, like it was the entire show. It was an hour. Like, cool, great. That. Yeah. Every that night. Worked. Every night, no. It needs to be special. Speaking of special, do you know who comes out next? All right, my first... Uh, Sorry. I always like to cut off guests on that. <laughs> oh, everybody's like, what What just happened? It made me so happy to see Gene Okerlund. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This was a, fun, a lot of fun for me last night was seeing guys I, I, I forgot about. Like Mike Tanay, I forgot about. Mike Tanay, it was cool to see him because, you know, Mike Tanay, I thought he was a good, you know, broadcaster. Larry uh, Zabisco. Was, to bring back our award show, Mike Tanay was our um, announcer of the year last year. Really? I, again, no, not a knock on Tanay at all. Um, I was happy to see Larry Zabisco because Larry Zabisco, freaking, God, he, he, he did not mind being, being hating somebody. I forgot oh, how no. much I missed him. But me and Gene, man. Gene Oakland, seeing him, that was great. I I totally agree. And who's he with? That's right. It's me. It's me. It's D D P by my yoga. But this is pre yoga. <laughs> so, but maybe he should be doing yoga because he has a disease. He has a sickness. And there's only one cure. More cow. Wait, no, that's the wrong skit. <laughs> His disease and sickness is Randy Savage. Calls him out for a match at Halloween Havoc. And I'm thinking, we just went through like the entire summer of DDP versus Savage, and we're getting this again? Hell yeah! (laughs) Sign me up for that one. I love DDP. I love Randy Savage. I think they had chemistry together. I think they had a good rivalry in the summer. Let's this time... Let's leave the girls out of it. No offense. Let's leave Kimberly and let's leave Miss Elizabeth out of the whole storytelling. Let's just have two people get really pissed at each other and beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. I'm really hoping we get this at Halloween Havoc. I, uh, yeah, no, I, the, the thing I wrote about DDP was DDP just had it. And if I can quote him, he had the Jack, right? I think that was uh, how he said. It. I just and I, I I didn't realize this was another fun thing about watching last night was just how much stuff I didn't realize I missed. I missed just hear, hearing him yell "bang." He would get so freaking amped up, and I just it's like that was the only thing that made sense to say was just the scream "bang." DDP he was he was great, and you see why he was their one of their main homegrown stars. Tons of fun. He just he made you believe everything he was saying. He just he really did. He's like he needed Savage. He needed to fight him again. And yep. Macho Man, you know, Macho Man, he's dropping elbows on angels. Love the guy. Yep. Oh, uh, love Macho Man. Bone saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's when um, we started this podcast right around 
June, May, June of 96, you know, when we started watching, not when we had, we've not been doing the show for 25 years, but you get the point. <laughs> and we've really got to see the rise, the absolute rise, the slow rise of DDP. Because when we first watched it, he was over, you know, as a, you know, a lower mid card. He was winning a thing called, he was the Lord of the Ring until they, you know, Tolkien's estate said, stop it. He won the Battle Bowl ring, called himself the Lord of the Ring for a while. That's, I mean, he was mid card then beating up and Disco Inferno, and ironically. <laughs> In the last year and a half, has risen to the upper mid card. F- fighting Randy Savage on Halloween Havoc is a big deal for DDP at this point. 100% He's, agree. And I know looking back, you know, we're 25 years past, we know how high he's going to get. And he's going to get to the top of the mountain here. And I could see right now, as hot as he is, I could see putting the belt on him sooner than what they ever did. Maybe it's good they didn't. Maybe they should have. Who knows? But overall, I'm looking forward to DDP and Savage at Halloween. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Slim Jim presents Halloween Havoc. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird like. And it's nice to know that uh, the, the uh, like hardcore we need brand recognition in here. That that's nothing new, you know. But hey, I yeah. guess it's not surprising. But I I will agree with you. Like Paige should have gotten the title sooner. Um, I I'm, I'm never gonna agree that Hogan, you know, basically holding the title title hostage for as long as he did is a good thing, you know. Yeah. And I know it at this point their main thing is we need Sting. Sting needs to be the champ. Or Sting needs to have that chase, but yeah, DDP should have won a lot sooner than he did. This this era we're watching right now is the only time I've ever agreed with Hogan having the belt as long as he did, because the more he had it, the more we've seen. Because we Sting's been in the rafters now for let's see, it was war almost a year. We've not heard Sting speak for almost a year because it was after Fall Brawl a year ago where he, you know, he said, the hell with you guys. You didn't believe me. I'm done. And then he shows up a couple weeks later in black and white and then starts going to the Raptor. We haven't heard a peep out of him for over a year. Yeah. And it's one of the greatest angles in wrestling history. And it, if the belt's off Hogan, you can't really do it as well. So it's the only point where I think leaving the belt on Hogan makes sense. Now, don't now the caveat to that, they screwed up a lot with Hogan's title defenses. Yeah. The giving it to giving it to Luger on the I think it was the hundredth episode of Nitro, brilliant move. Taking it off of him a week later, classic WCW. Yeah, um, don't give it to him. I, 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 well, I don't want to jump. There's another one. Yeah, well, it's coming up. There's another classic misstep that's going to happen, and it's going to happen at Halloween Havoc. Uh, So we'll get there. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for our listeners who ha- may not have listened. But there's a big Hogan has a title defense, and it's app. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But in my point, 
overall point being is his title defensive defenses could have been better. Like when he won the belt, he won it from the giant at Road or Hogwild, which later would become Roadwild, by using the belt to hit the giant in the head. Then the giant had to sell that for we timed it seven and a half minutes while Hogan promoted in the ring and spray painted some things. All because of a one shot to the head with the belt. Seven and a half minutes. So, yes, I, I am not a Hogan fan. Definitely not. Our listeners know that, know how we feel about Hogan around here. But Sting was the antithesis of Hogan. He was the fans right now. You heard it all night long. We want Sting. We yeah. want Sting. And that they let I will give WCW a little bit of credit for waiting as long as they did to pull the trigger on Sting. I'll 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 agree with you. I'll agree with you on part of that in that to have the patience to build up Sting the way they did was wild and it would never fly again. I, I can't imagine I don't know of any situation where you've had that kind of a build up and a payoff in wrestling since then. You know? Uh, and maybe that uh, that ability to be patient, why they gave Hogan seven and a half minutes to promo after hitting somebody with a belt. Maybe the patience isn't always good. Um, my problem with Hogan was, I mean, it like I said, he had a stranglehold on it, so it's not the defenses sucked. But then, like when he would drop it and then get it back, and I, I won't go into, I won't get ahead of myself. Just the way he just had to constantly be like the guy. He just took a lot of steam from other folks. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I I will give you I will give you credit though the the amount of patience it took to to wait out to wait for that payoff for Sting is incredible, um, and, and it's it's one of the best things that's ever happened in wrestling. Yep, and of course they'll have classic WCW they'll bungle the way that happens, but it's still yeah. it yeah well po- politics. Yeah. All right, but yeah, so DDP Savage Halloween Havoc all for it. Can't wait. Speaking of things that, well, no, the exact opposite. Speaking of things that I could have waited for, we get Juventud Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio Jr. And I will admit, I am not a big Hoovy fan. Never have been. I love Ray. Ray's awesome, as long as they don't put a mic in his face. Because did you ever hear Ray Mysterio give a promo in 96, 97? Ray was not he even to this day. I love Ray Mysterio. I got to put it out there. Got to be completely transparent. Ray Mysterio is my all time favorite wrestler. It is not close. Um, when I was a, I was a kid, man, like it just when you're a kid, like okay, he embodied everything that a ten year old's gonna love about wrestling. He's got a mm-hmm. mask. He looks like a, you know, he just he looks the part. I, I didn't pay attention how small he was, I guess, or maybe because I was small too. Yeah, you know, like that. The stuff he could do in the ring was absolutely incredible. Well, they um, didn't really put him in the ring with people that were much, much bigger than him, and that was by design, I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, Hoovintoot, he um, I liked all the Luchadors. The Luchadors in the mid card of WCW during this time—that was my absolute favorite part of WCW. Um, Hoovintoot could put on a great match. Um, I, I think the the biggest problem with Hoovintoot was. The way they booked him, like they turned him into a mockery of the rock later on, which I won't get into. I did love his feud later on with the or the I love part of the feud with Jericho, the nicknames he would get. 
Um, I could tell Juventud at this point was not at his full capacity. Um, but Rey Mysterio, watching him last night, absolute magic for me. Yep. Hoovy for me, I'm just, he just never connected. I like the cruiserweights in WCW, always have. Um, I'm not as big. You you and Arnold would get along great because Arnold's like all for him. He'll slobber over a Rey Mysterio versus like Eddie Guerrero match, which I would too, but I, that's just that's a bad example. He's a big LaParca fan. Oh, yeah, love the chairman. Yeah, rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah, um, but this one I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't. It was quick. It didn't take long. Um, Ray Mysterio comes out and takes off his mask. Did oh, not yeah. see that coming, but folks, he had one on under it. So we're not stupid. He's not as dumb as Russo will be and make him take the mask off. Yeah, I, I, I've, oh, I've been to no, I've been to my wife before about the whole lucha thing, and I love the I love lucha culture just because like the the importance of the mask, and you don't just take it from. I will go down a rabbit hole. I'm not going to do that to you. It's okay. I uh, you we've been there many times. Yeah, I'm yeah. Respect <laughs> the mask, damn it. Yep, exactly. Um, this one was a lot for some reason of Hoovy in control. Lot, which was weird to me, was, as our guest on Raw said, nice kind of an eighty twenty match, which was an, I guess an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, like Hoovy giving eighty percent and Ray basically getting his ass handed to him, but <laughs> he comes back, hits the springboard, hurry f- with the pin, one two three, Mysterio wins. I don't think the finish was ever in doubt of what it was going to be. This was oh. kind of a just get Ray over, and you know. Hoovy's Hoovy at this point. He's basically just a lucha jobber. I mean, to cut a That's phrase. actually a perfect way to put it, yeah. I mean, he's not over yet. He's just there. I mean, for God's sakes, we've seen Billy Kidman, and he hasn't even won a match yet. So, Oh, God, Kidman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what really pissed me off is his first match. He goes out there, hits a shooting star press, and the guy kicks out at like one and a half. That... <laughs> oh, gotta control myself, man. I all one of the best moves of all time. And Kidman, I love his was a little reckless sometimes, and I think that was just, that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Loved a shooting star press. Yep. It, but but this one I enjoyed. Something tells me I'm not going to give it quite as high of a high as a grade as you did. I'm because, sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to probably just go straight A. But this one, this one got a B for me. It was, it was good. It was very good, and it was a good match on Nitro. Nothing to write home about, but that's a good thing, because good or bad, this was nothing good or bad to write home about. It was a Nitro match. It gets a B. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give it an A. Um, I'm sure not. Shocked. I'm got, shocked. Yeah, I'm shocked. I have two Rey Mysterio <laughs> action figures on my desk right now. I am, I, I again, I'm biased. I'm a Rey Mysterio guy. I always love the Luchadors. Um. It was a fun match, you know. Yeah, you're right. It, it was nothing insane, but I think just in terms of entering work, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Ray seeing him, seeing Prime Ray, you know, jumping, almost hitting his head on the steel steps outside. Didn't that that freaked me out? But just seeing him jump around the ring, um, I forgot that uh, that springboard Hurricane Rana, how effective that was at uh, finishing matches for him. Yep, I liked it. My my biggest complaint though was like Zabisco. I, I like Zabisco, but the entire time he's just he's talking about the NW and how much he hates them. And that I forgot this about WCW. 
everything revolved around the NWO. So two guys who had nothing to do with that story, half the matches them talking about the NWO. And it's mainly it's mainly a cruiserweight type thing. Yeah. Because a lot of the cruiserweight matches and I will admit for American announcers that don't do it a lot, it's hard to call. It's just so fast paced and quick. Nobody really sells anything. So a lot of times they just start talking about other storylines and let you watch the action, which I understand in a way. Shivani never really does. Shivani will call the match. But yeah. these two these two aren't your play by play guys. And I think that might have a little bit to do with it too. These are your collar guys and it's they're a little out of their element, and maybe that was planned. Maybe it wasn't, but it kind of brings it around full circle. I can see it. I can see that, and that you know that makes sense. Um, I will say this is one of the most random things that sticks in my head from childhood was reading. I think it was a PWI uh, one year, and they were talking about what they expected to happen or in the new year, and one of the things was. Uh, Dusty Rhodes uh, uh, spraining his tongue trying to pronounce a luchador's name. I don't know why that <laughs> stuck in my head for 20 plus years, but just the, that idea of a joke of, of Dusty, because, you know, Dusty was great in commentary and I know he's not in the show tonight, but God, that was, that, that just always, always thought it was funny. And it just, it's one of the things I did love. You, you have these guys that are based in the South trying to, trying to call a lucha match. And th- there's a lot of fun there. Wait, did you say, did you say he was or wasn't great on the mic? Oh, on the commentary. Dusty Rhodes? Yeah. Dusty Rhodes is great at everything he touched. Thank personal you. Personal opinion. I thought you said he wasn't good on commentary. And I'm like, eh, back up. Because last year we looked at the um, Observer Awards and they gave Dusty like the third worst commentator. And I'm like, well, you're you're done because I ain't listened to you. Because yeah. is he is he going to be wrong. your play-by-play guy? No. He's your funny color guy. Say something witty every once in a while. That's Dusty Rhodes. It was great. So B's and A's, we're not too far off on this one. Yeah. So we'll go on to, I believe this would be our last, nope, no, it's, well, mm, nope, not our last match for hour two. We got two more. So our first, to, our next to last match for hour one is Alex Wright putting the TV title belt on the line versus Mr. William Regal. And I'm like, yeah, I can see this. I'm not a big I've said this before. Alex Wright is somebody to me who had everything but it. Oh, he had he had the work. He could work. He could work oh, his yeah. butt off. He could wrestle. He could go. He had a look. He had that smack me in the mouth face for a heel. He was German. That made him a heel regardless, pretty much. <laughs> he could cut a decent promo i mean it wasn't great i mean i still think you could have gave him a manager as a mouthpiece and he would have been much better effective as a heel especially if you can find somebody with a german accent i could see that yeah but he just didn't have it oh see i here's where i think part of it is i don't think wcw fully knew what to do with him they knew he had something i think he would have been I don't know. I think Alex Wright today could be a star. I think Alex Wright, had he gone to WWE, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done there. Now, well, I, I well, like, are you talking 97 or when he shows up first in like 95? 
later, 97 or later. Okay. Um, I think he needed the time to develop. I think he's a guy that would have benefited from going to WWE. And I, I think some of it too is I think figuring out the character more, I think would have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I do, I think he was, I think he had a ton of talent and looking back at it, like 25 years later, I, I still remember the dance. I was doing the dance today with my daughter. She thought it was hilarious. Yeah. You got to hit that one of these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really think he had it though. The only problem I had with Wright was his finisher, um, German suplex, a little on the nose. And it's, it's always like a suplex is a weird way to end a match. At least he put the bridge with it. I mean, uh, fair. I'll give you that. But still, it's, you know, maybe it's because I'm, you know, looking at some of the new stuff now, it's not as like high impact. Um, but no, I think Alex Wright, I thought he was, I thought he was great. Yeah. It just, there was just something about he never had that it factor, I guess you could say. Yeah. Now, what about Regal? How do you feel about Regal, though? Oh, do you want me to talk about Regal? I will talk about William Regal. My goal in life is to shake William Regal's hand. Stephen Regal, whatever you want to call him. I love that man. I will, if you want to talk about a Mount Rushmore of heel professional wrestlers, Mm. and if he's not on yours, you are an idiot because this man could draw heat. Like nobody's business. Was he the greatest ever? No. Was he was he a very good in-ring technical wrestler? Yes. Did he know how to work a crowd like nobody else? You damn God. right he did. We were watching a match a couple months ago, just a nitro match versus I don't even remember who it was. I think it was Prince Iakea. Where a guy on the front row legitimately cold cocked him right in the jaw mid match. Good God. Why? Because Regal spent the entire first five minutes just jawing with the first row, first group, like the front row there, just to rile him up. So when he gets tossed out of the ring and stands up, the guy just clocks him. Oh, Regal completely no sells it. But yeah, right in the mid match, guy front row just. Jaw jaxing. That's beautiful. In 1997, kayfabe is not completely dead, but it's it's on its last breath. Yeah, it's on life support. I wish I'd appreciated him more when I was a child. Oh, same. I did not appreciate him to his full ability. But I hated him. I hated him. Oh yeah, he he got me to hate him. This was before I realized it. By me hating him. I it's and it's it's different from disco, okay. And I, yes. I love how he's kind of the central. He's easy to pick on, but it's I mean he sucks, so I don't I don't care. It's like you said, as a kid, I was like, guy is goofy. Watching, you know, I was like, I I could they could have left this match out of the show and it would have been fine. Regal though, man, the way he can make you hate him, it's like God, he's doing his job well, mm-hmm. and he's so damn good at it. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you another. You you mentioned that this was for the television title. TV title is one of my all-time favorite titles. The, the, I, I love the, I love the design. I know it's kind of simple. I love the design. I want to get a, a I want to get my own version of it one day. I want to get um a replica. I love just how this mat this title was defended all the time. I love the the rules that they had surrounding it. Um, I love that you know you could almost once a month just about you could be guaranteed to see a TV title you know a change of hands on a Nitro or on a Thunder at one point. It was just I love that title. And this was a great match for it. Yep. Totally, totally agree with everything you just said, especially when it comes to Regal. He he was a heel. Yeah. I don't know if he was ever – he 
he was never I don't even know if he ever was a face until he, like he got older then he became, you know, Mr. Regal NXT commissioner. Yeah. Maybe I, I WWF. I never really watched him in WWF. I think they tried it a little bit with the they did like a they made him a, a man's man. Um I don't know if you ever saw that. You No. It would piss you off. It, I'm sure would, I'm sure it could have got over. But oh, yeah. if you he never saw this Regal, if you never saw Heel Regal, it'd probably be fine. But then you'd realize that smarmy-faced British bastard yeah. is gone, God. and like, no, oh, I hate this even more now. And those mannerisms, the way he'd kind of he'd scurry around the ring and kind of he did this weird little head nod the whole time. It just oh, God. the whole flex and then sorry, hit my mic. Sorry, flex and <laughs> push it up from the yeah. back. <laughs> he just. He, it's he, com- that's comedy and wrestling. Yeah, you don't. It doesn't have to be slapsticky. It could be just heel funny. I and, I can appreciate slapstick though. It just it, it's like I said. I I whenever I watch wrestling, I'm at a point. I just try to just take it for what it is. But damn, he was good. Yeah, he was. I at, at every at everything. I think he was good at everything. Maybe not the best at everything. But just in terms of in terms of just having all the different things that he puts together, he was awesome. We talked about earlier, like everybody, like the people that had could do everything great, but or everything well, but nothing great. Regal could do one thing great and everything else pretty good. I know that's going to come across like I'm putting his wrestling ability down. No, great technical. He was a good technical wrestler, but his greatness of being a heel and to work a crowd overshadowed everything else he did and it was wonderful yeah and as good as and to prove that i love how good he is in the ring i gave this match a b plus and i wrote best alex wright match i've ever watched every bit of the credit goes to william regal (laughs) you we're on the same page b plus for me too yeah. So we're 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 aligned here. Um, I will give Alex Wright more credit than you. That I still I think their styles complemented each other well. I definitely think Regal's the veteran in the sense that he's carrying the match, you know, more so than than Wright. I can't take away from Alex Wright though. I I think he was great. I think he was a a really good wrestler who had the potential to be an amazing wrestler. Um, I I just I feel like he there was there was more that could have been done. I thought he was really good though. But these two they were they were great together. Oh, I'm not. I'm not saying that Alec Wright's bad. Usually, his matches, when we review them, are always not always, but most of the time, C plus, B minus. I might have given him a B at one point. I may have given him a B plus at one point. I don't know. But to me, this is the best match I've seen him in to date, and I think a lot of that credit goes to Regal. I have. It's been a long time since I've seen an Alex Wright match. I can't disagree with you on that. But yeah, this this was a this was definitely a meshing of two guys that were really good together. And, and you know, again, and, Regal. Yeah, yeah. And something we haven't even mentioned yet. This was a heel versus heel match. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But I mean, nobody. I don't remember anyone ever liking Alex Wright except for the announcers. I think maybe when he first debuted, he probably had like that kind of. Baby, you know, fresh face kid, baby face deal going on, but he became a arrogant, you know, prick real quick. Yeah, he was a face up until just a couple months ago when he turned heel. But he was a floundering baby face. Nobody cared about him. So, you, would you compare him to like an early Rocky Maivia? 
with less Team talent. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I fair enough. Because I and but I'm by no means comparing Alex Wright to The Rock because I don't think that's that's not. I see what you're saying though. Yeah, you'd have to drop me off the push call. and stuff. Yeah, that's it. I mean, being pushed as a face, even though that's not what the crowd necessarily wants. Yeah. Oh, we 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 reviewed Die Rocky Die. We're mm-hmm. finally we finally got Rock in the nation and we're good. Okay. So we know his career is going to survive. I hope he goes on to do great things in the future. I I don't know. Uh, you know, Rocky Maivia. I don't. I don't see a guy like that ever being the highest paid actor in Hollywood or anything. Yeah, me either. Um, no, definitely not. But I can see that comparison. Yeah, just in terms of that, we're gonna push a guy regardless of whether or not that's people want. Not in terms of talent, because I do like Alex Wright, but I, I, you can't. He com- never. I, I mean, he never got that big of a push. The Rock they gave the IC title to way too damn early. Agreed. And I just don't. I mean, yeah, no. Nah, I'm going to have to a little probably disagree just because Alex Wright never got that level of push. Now, if they would have pushed him that level, oh, absolutely, 100. percent But I just don't think they he ever got that level of push. At least not from what we've watched. Fair I, I didn't know what exactly he did in '95, but from mid '96 on, he just never got that big of a push. He was a a face floundering, got beat a lot, and then he turned heel, and they gave a TV title too. I think he won the cruiserweight title at one point too for some reason, even though he's eight foot tall. Yeah, that's I, they they had really weird rules on the cruiserweight title. Yeah, it, it was they just made it up as they went along. Oh yeah, that's fair. All right, you knew comes back out now. I know what you're trying to get at, <laughs> <laughs> and he's with Ray Trailer. And yeah. Ray is pissed, so pissed that he completely stumbles four or five times on this promo, and it is bad, <laughs> really bad. <laughs> the big boss man or big bubble, whatever you want to call him, he could talk when he most of the time, but this one, no, he stumbled over just about every word he tried to come out. He calls out the NWO, says he'll take him on one at a time. Well, he should know that's not how it works. But it was short. Thank God it was over. And yeah, we had Ray, Ray Trailer with who? With me and Gene. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was going to say, I'm supposed to give you a little bit longer to interrupt. Yeah, I, I remember him. I was never the biggest fan of his. Decent enough in the ring, I guess. You know, nothing exciting. He was a better promo than I remember. I'll give him that. Uh, was it amazing? But the crazy part to me was as old as he looked in that, he's a year younger than I am now. Yeah. So either he he either looked a lot older than he was or I look a lot older than I think I do. I'm not really sure, but <sighs> I think the as best part... I think the best Ray trailer we'll get is coming up in a couple months when he goes back to WWF and becomes, you know, the SWAT version of the big boss man. I I'm gonna this is probably gonna be an opinion that a lot of people aren't gonna agree with. I, I agree with you. Him as the asshole against against the big show down the line against Al Snow. I mean, would you you want to talk about Hill Heat? Those are I'm not gonna get ahead of myself for anyone who has who doesn't know and hasn't heard yet, but he got some heat. I love it. His, stupid. Yep. Oh, it's very stupid. I I love when he's with the corporation and the ministry with the Undertaker. That made I, no sense. Whatever. 
I mean, yeah, we'll, we're 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 getting there. We'll get there. But I like that. I like Ray Trailer. I think he's a a really good nimble big man. I get that. Yeah, so he's surprisingly nimble. Yeah. I um I saw a, a picture, a video, or something on Reddit recently of him doing a I think it was a diving crossbody onto Earthquake. Um, back in the early '90s WWF, and it's it's crazy to think that just how he he was nimble because I mean that was a hell of a dive and an earthquake. I mean he took it. Yep. And he's also the butt, uh, well not the butt, the what I don't want, but the subject of one of my favorite Dusty Rhodes quotes of all time. Oh, what's that? Don't do shit you don't know how to do. <laughs> As Dusty told him that, and I believe it was '86 or '87 when he he hit a. Basically, it was kind of like the very first, the first time anybody can remember hitting like a sit-out spinning power bomb. Yeah, and he did it to one of the Malky twins, and the board—he's so big—the board popped up and hit the Malky twin in the back of the head, and knocked him out. <laughs> I mean, Bubba didn't do anything wrong. He just, you know, the board hit him, and you know, because he's, he's a big dude. And Dusty, you know, they had to wake the Malky twin back up, and Dusty goes, "Don't do fit." You don't know how to do. <laughs> God, I so miss I, Dusty Rhodes. I love quoting that so much. But yeah, I love, I love Ray Trailer. But this wasn't much. So yeah. let's move on to our next man. Her next man. Next match. Talking about big men who could move in their prime. We get the Giant versus Conan. All right, and I. First thing I noticed is in the crowd, the sign that says the NWO shops at Family Dollar, and I lost my shit. Not going to lie, hilarious, especially 97, because that back then was like an insult because Dollar Generals weren't like on every freaking corner like they are yeah. now. <laughs> so it made me laugh that this match was a squash to be fair, to be generous for Conan. This was the giant just absolutely spanking Conan, slapping him around, catches him off the top rope, chokeslam, one, two, three, may have went three minutes tops. Yeah. Um, I I liked Conan back in the day, but yeah. This was before he had as much personality, I think. He didn't get to do his his usual intro. No, no, we haven't got full on. I don't think he was there yet. We haven't, what, Mexican gangster Conan yet, so we haven't got that yeah. yet. This is still pre-Wolfpack um, Conan, too. So, I mean, they, they've yeah. used the term Wolfpack, but we're not full-on split yet. So, But, yeah, yeah. this was just to get the giant a win uh, over a, a goon squad from the NWO, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um. I- I thought the same thing. It's like, who, why did the NWO send out Conan by himself thinking he had a chance in hell against the giant? There's no, cause the giant, holy crap. He was a freaking specimen. Absolutely. absolutely agree. I mean, he's early Paul 20, White. my God. Yeah. This is like 25 year old Paul White. It is insane to me. And just, I see it's funny. Um, his, you know, he's got the big show show on Netflix. I don't know if you've ever seen that. So it's so weird to me to see, the giant then and like that's who he is now and it's it's a cheesy show that clearly netflix had to deal with wwe cheesy family show my daughter loves it it's actually it's it's got some funny parts and i've popped a couple times for a few folks they've had on there and plus just for the just for the 
silliness of it. But yeah, my kids like those type shows, so our kids are probably about the same age. Yeah, uh, have them check it out. They'll like that one. I might have to look that up because they need something to watch because they watch the same like three things over and over and over and <laughs> driving me nuts. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, this one was a quick squash. It, the giant went over. It wasn't anything special, but it was good. I mean, for what it was, get the giant a win. Um, I gave it a B minus. Uh, I gave it a C. It you know it nothing special. It just you know it's like you said it was it did exactly what it needed to do. Um, this is one if you if you'd run to the bathroom you'd have missed it. Yeah, this this really was the bathroom break. Yeah. Um, this was yeah, and this was the last match of hour one, so they're just trying to wrap it up. Let's move on. Speaking of, I said this was the last match of hour one. That brings us to it's hour number two. Pyro. <laughs> yeah. Usually that's me and Arnold going back and forth, but I'm solo tonight, so I had to do all the pyro. Ah, <sighs> anywho. All right. So we move on to hour number two. We have Mike Tanay. Larry Zabisco sticks around for not his normal hour. And say it. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh God. I loved it, man. Ah, oh, don't you just miss Bobby the Brain Heenan? There was I, nobody I, could do a one-liner like Bobby Heenan. No, and I put it on here. I, I have tried to explain to my wife now so many times how special he was, but it it is damn near impossible unless you got to see him do what he did. And, and I only knew Heenan as an announcer. I didn't even get to see him in the WWF before this. That that was before I got into wrestling. I only knew him as an announcer in WCW, and even that that's how good he was. He made an impression on me from there. Love Heenan. Yep. Love Heenan. I actually the day before the, I watched this, I watched um, Survivor Series 1990 because I was doing a guest spot on friend of the show um, from Under the Apron on Million Million Dollar Geek Show. So I got to see Manager Heenan the day before, and then watch this commentator Heenan. So it was kind of cool. Um, so this match is our. Oh, sorry, I haven't got to our first match. Our first match is Stevie Richards with his cute little shirt versus DDP. And did you notice, did you catch the um, giant insult to ECW when they talked about Stevie Richards? No, what did they say? Uh, I can't remember if it was Zabisco or Heenan. They said Stevie Richards was big on some indie show. <laughs> like, damn, shots fired. And it's it's crazy because you remember in the nineties, like ECW, they were some kind of weird bridge between WCW and, and WWF. It felt like I know WWF would they would help. I know Vince. I think he he saved them from going under once or twice. Yeah, and, we saw it about a year ago. It was right before Raw turned to what you would see it as, what you remembered as yeah. when it was still blue and gold. They had a deal with ECW where some ECW talent, including Paul Heyman, showed up on the show. Vince would use some of them. He would send some. He would send like Lawler and some people down to help them, basically just to try to screw over WCW. And it's, it was it was interesting. It's wild because you think about it. It got to the point in the last several years. If you didn't, anything you did pre WWE did not matter. You know, you're a former IWGP heavyweight champion. Cool. Not here. 
So it's yeah. it's just weird how much it changed. But think about how many guys eventually jumped from ECW to WCW. You know, and there's another one later. I know we're not there yet. Lance Storm. Whenever he gets there, oh, love Lance, love Lance Storm. Storm. If you're not following you him, would. if on you Twitter, like Malenko, yeah. If you're not following Lance Storm on Twitter, please do. He's awesome. Yeah, we're me and Arnold. I'll speak for him again. We're big Lance Storm stands. Yeah, I love that little just smack on ECW a little bit, just calling <laughs> it an indie show. <laughs> Made me laugh. Um, this one never in doubt at all. This was all DDP all the way. So we get a fire, but if we get one of the man of a thousand diamond cutters, we get the fireman's carry diamond cutter, which is almost the almost the precursor to an F five, sort of, just kind of reverse. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, DDP wins easily. Uh, Raven comes in the ring, slaps Stevie Richards, and kicks him out of the ring because Raven and Stevie Richards have had this whole back and forth of blah, 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 we're going to fight, but I love you, yada, yada kind of thing going on. <laughs> this was quick. This was kind of just to get DDP a win and to move along the Stevie Richards-Raven thing. I kind of It was okay wasn't anything great it was good it was good and it's going to get just a good grade for me it got a b i give it a but, b minus um so we're not too far i i honestly i forgot that stevie Richards was in wcw um until i saw this match i he, stevie Richards never really did it for me i'm just going to be completely honest he never did it for me back in the day and there in wwf he, i was never a fan but rewatching this i'm like you know what he was you could tell there was something he was better than I gave him credit for as a kid. Um, that being said, I don't feel like we missed out on anything by never seeing a main a main event Stevie Richards run. Um, better than I expected there. I will say Raven. I do think that's a guy who they he deserved to be a bigger deal than he ever was. I think personally, and I think what was his finisher? I don't. I know we didn't see it in the match, but the even, even flow, flow DDT, DDT. Such a cool name. Such a cool like way that he did it. Um, I think Raven's definitely a big what if for me. Yeah. <laughs> he was interesting. <laughs> he was he's one of those wrestlers that I would he wasn't bad in the ring, but he was mostly over for the gimmick. And he, I, he's one he's to me, he's like WCW at the time, at this this era, especially when they get more to his thing. People always compare Sting to the Undertaker. Yeah. I more go Raven. Raven didn't need belts. He didn't need titles to be over. They actually kind of more hindered him. Like Taker, you he never needed a belt because he's Undertaker. He can do what he wants. And to me, I think Raven was kind of the same way. He didn't need to be main event scenes. He just he needed his weird group, his flock. See that I could see that Raven he, he was more about telling the story. It wasn't so much about okay that the story could involve a belt. It didn't have to, um, but I could see that it's like whenever you get to the flock, I think that's that was a lot of fun to me. Um, I don't know. I just he just he, the mannerisms he had. He it's like you said he wasn't the best. He wasn't amazing, but the way he lived that gimmick and the way he carried himself, he he did it well. Yep, I. Absolutely agree with you. All right. Well, let's so you said what? B minus? Yeah. Uh, we're right there. B B minus. 
All right, folks, it's time. I teased it earlier. It is time for hell to freeze over. <laughs> Why? Because I'm giving an A. I'm going to go ahead and give my grades. I already told it earlier. I am giving an A to a tag team match involving Wrath, <laughs> Mortis, James Vanderbeek, and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Why? Because apparently I was on a lot of drugs. I do not know. Actually, this is actually a decent, really good match. This it was, really was. I I don't know why. I don't know how. It's Wrath and Mortis, and they're borderline offensive to me. I can't stand them. James Vanderbeek was is a terrible manager. He's annoying. He's just not good. Scott Hall's amazing. Yep. He's Scott Hall. Kevin Nash can take all of his six moves and somehow get over a ring. I don't know. I never was a big fan. But for some reason, everything that they could do well clicked in this match. It was... And this is a tag title match, by the way. They gave Wrath and Mortis a tag title match on Nitro and jobbed out Harlem Heat earlier. So, Don't what the hell, folks? Bizarro world. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I love the fact that Mortis hits a rocker dropper on Scott Hall and like very first thing in the match. I'm like, well, this is going to be one of those, huh? All righty. And as I said earlier about Ming and Barbarian and Harlem Heat. This is just four big dudes doing the thing. It's not a lot of technical holds and mat wrestling. This is big dudes beating big dudes. Um, so Wrath and Mortis were actually in control a lot of this match, which kind of shocked me of how much they were. I mean, Same. I knew they weren't. I knew they weren't going to win. I know we're not putting the belts on Wrath and Mortis on hour two of like the beginning of hour two of Nitro. Not happening. Um, we get to the finish. Six distracts the ref. Of course, of course he does. Scott Hall kicks Mortis in the back. We get a jackknife power bomb on Mortis, and here's the part. This is the only thing that kept. I'm thinking I want to change my grade. This is going to be an A minus. I'm sorry. I can't give this an A just because of this. Actually, I think that is an A minus. I think this is an A minus, not an A. So I take it back, folks. I lied to you earlier. The tease was all a lie. <laughs> this gets the same grade because the thing that really pissed me off was Kevin Nash pins Mortis with his foot on his chest. Oh, that is that is disrespectful. I know they're the outsiders, but. Yeah, that really, I would have kicked out. I would have kicked out with my finger in the air and said, you know what? You, buddy. You can do the move again, and you can pin me like a man. I'm just going to say this. Get the feeling you're not a big fan of uh, Wrath and Mortis. Fair enough. Um, I thought Mortis looked cool when I was a kid. And, and Chris Canyon, I... Oh, Chris Canyon is amazing. The people, him and even Adam Baum, if you want to wear whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Uh, the The men underneath those horrible gimmicks... Are amazing professional wrestlers. Well, calling Adam Baum amazing is I, maybe a stretch. Chris Canyon, mean, Chris Canyon's amazing. He yeah. was amazing in the ring, and it comes out in this. But 
it's just the whole Eric Bischoff saw Mortal Kombat one time and wanted to make a faction <laughs> out of it, and Glacier didn't get over. Well, by God, well, one of them didn't get over. Let's make a tag team. Yeah. God, Glacier. That. <sighs> yeah, when we first started this podcast, we were right at the beginning of Your Blood Runs Cold, Glacier Coming Soon. How long do they do that for? Oh, well, longer than they anticipated because at first it was like, coming in June, coming in July. Then it just went to coming soon, and then nothing, just the, the vignette. And then I think he finally shows up in about August because apparently they didn't want him to debut the same like around the same time as the NWO because they thought he wouldn't get over. Well, <laughs> who knew? We didn't want to see Mortal Kombat in a wrestling ring. They were half right. Well, yeah. Um, but yeah, then we brought Wrath and Mortis in the feud with him, with him, and then he disappeared for he's disappeared for a while now. I'm probably an injury situation, but we still get Wrath and Mortis. And if this was the two men underneath this, I would be all about it, but yeah. I'm not. This it's stupid. Uh, they get cool music, I'll give them that, but the get ups are dumb. It they're I don't know didn't. Just doesn't sit with me, dog. You're not wrong, but man, I'm telling you, ten year old me saw Mortis. I'm like, he looks cool as hell. Oh He's hell! Oh, when I was younger, oh, green and yeah. skulls. Yeah, I'm here for it. This would have been 2097. I would have been thirteen year old me would have loved him. Yeah, all over this. I'd have bought action figures. I'd have bought toys. But yeah, thirty eight year old me's like, man, eh, no, we're good. <laughs> We're good. No, this is stupid. This is dumb. I know who I know that's Chris Canyon now. And that, like, if I didn't know that was Chris Canyon, I'd be like, okay, so this is okay. Now I'm like, just give me Chris Canyon for the love of God. It's that's insane to think they had him and they just sat on him for years with this gimmick. <sighs> yeah. I never know. I want to, there's no understanding it. Yep. I don't know. But A minus for me. What do you, what about you? I gave it an A, I, you know, because I think the Outsiders, they played their roles absolutely perfectly. Like you said, nothing in the ring was super flashy, but God, Scott Hall. I, that guy, he couldn't he couldn't have been uncool if he tried. He would have been cooler if he tried to be uncool because that's how cool he was. Kevin Nash, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. If Scott I, Hall should, you I know, totally agree with you. Kevin Nash... I man, he again played his role perfect. He he just looked like he did not care in the way that you can only get whenever you're making a crap ton of money and basically just getting to do whatever you want. Because he really uh, didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> but man, he may not look he may not care and look like it was pretty cool. I mean, and then you know I don't know. I just I think they played the roles perfect. It it was a little weird, you know, that Wrath and Morris, I mean, they're supposed to be I mean, they're dressed like monsters essentially. You know, to to be pinned with a foot, I I don't like that. But I will say, I did like the fact that they they let them get some offense in. They didn't completely job them out. It was yeah, a good that's, match. That's the point. I don't get the foot on the chest thing. They just beat your ass for ten minutes, and then and you then hit you, a lucky power bomb, and yeah, then you win by hook or crook, the crook part, and then you're gonna pin the man with a foot on his chest. That makes no, that doesn't make sense storytelling wise. No, if you he, just if you did this to, I'm trying to think of another tag team that they. Oh, uh, if you would have did this to High Voltage, 
which is, oh God. yeah, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks and I'm hoping they're gone, but they were garbage and they were job. They were just, if you just job them out in five minutes and you foot on chest, one of them. Perfect. Yeah. Kenny Kowalski could have gotten a foot on his chest. I've been fine. Yeah. But the guys that just beat you silly for 10 minutes. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Not, no, but all right. But it was a, don't, we're nitpicking. We do this a lot on this show. We're nitpicking. It was still a great match. I would suggest this was one I would say, hey, go watch it. If you want to watch a good Wrath and Mortis match, this is the one I'm only one I could find so far. All right. Speaking of things I'm not going to tell you to go watch, <laughs> that's going to be, do you hear that noise? It sounds like this. Because that's the sound of this show coming to a screeching freaking halt <laughs> because here comes Bischoff and Hogan. Not only do they come out, they take forever on their entrances to the point where I'm fast forwarding through them. Thank God I can do that. And they introduce Kurt Henning. And then we hear Ric Flair's music. I'm like, oh, snap. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's Henning. And he's coming out in Flair's robe. Great. Great. Like, I don't, you're, I'm not crying. You're crying. Stop it. <laughs> um, lots of mocking the four horsemen here. Hogan says it's perfect. I love that. That kinda, was nice. Kind of a nice little, I'm name dropping Mr. Perfect because we know who you are, but I'm not saying it. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, then Hogan just flat out name drops WWF, but they bleep the F, which I don't understand why they would they don't want to they don't want to piss off the pandas i'm assuming but like they've not went back and cut out every mention of it in because the same night sean michaels cuts a promo where he world wrestling federation wwf like in every other word he says so i'm like why are we cutting it out from hogan was that a 97 edit i wonder i mean this was live but I don't know. That's it also weird. be Sean still works at the company, so maybe he's more leeway. I guess maybe I don't know. That's probably. Oh, uh, we, but we do get a Hogan sucks chant. Woohoo! And Savage accepts DDP's challenge for Halloween Havoc. Awesome. That's the only good thing that came out of this because this whole segment was a big pile of doo doo. Ah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to tell you. This was a show that was rolling along. It was great. And then this happened for no reason. No reason whatsoever other than the, oh, look, Kurt Hennig smashed Flair's head in a vice thingy with the cage. Great. Commercial. Like you said earlier, if Disco wasn't on the show, would anything have changed? Would anything have changed if this part wasn't on it? That's a good point. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna counterpoint though. You're in Charlotte, a night after Henning smashes his head in the cage. You want to go ahead and solidify that Henning is the absolute biggest scumbag in the in the WCW right now, and he's this giant piece of crap. Man, coming out in Flair's robe, giving it to Hogan. I think so. You could have 
you could have had Henning come out at the end in the robe, right? It would have still been good, but coming out in Charlotte to the music to hand the robe to Hogan, it made me hate him all so much. And I, and this is a, somebody who's like, I really, I've never been like, God, I need to see more Hulk Hogan. I've never been of that opinion. It did make me want to see Roddy Piper kick his ass, though. I will say that. It really made me want to see Roddy Piper kick his ass. Okay. Counterpoint to your counterpoint. I have no problem with the segment. I have a problem where it is in the show. Yeah, I will see that. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. It, it was, especially considering the next match, it's just, it, it is weird placement. Um, it's also, it's kind of weird that the outsiders have their match. They go to the back, they come out a few minutes later in t shirts. Yeah. I, I don't like that. You know, it's, they could have just stayed in the ring. Yeah. WCW does that a lot with the NWO. Like they'll have a match and then they come back. And, yeah. Um, honestly, if we're, I would open the show with this. That would have been smarter. That would have been we're a lot in Charlotte. Smarter. I'm opening the show with Flair's music. I, that would have been made a lot I'm not more even sense. putting the NWO in the ring. I'm opening the show. Welcome to Monday. Here we go. Pyro there. And dum, dum, dum. Place explodes. Place goes nuts. And then kind of goes darker than normal. And then they spotlight it. And it's freaking Hennig. Yeah, that would have that would have been perfect. That's how I'm, I'm not putting this because this just brought the show to a halt. We just had a banger of a tag team match. Well, and again, I think about the matches coming up, man. You you got ener- the energy you would have had from that tag match to the next one. Well, let's go ahead and talk about it. It's Ultimo Dragon versus Eddie Guerrero. That's what we're referencing coming up. So oh. we just had a banger of a tag team match. We got a absolute barn burner of a cruiserweight match coming up. Why is this shoved in between them? Keep me up. Keep me up for the end of the show. Because we've also got a U.S. title match coming up to end the show. With a lot of stakes, too. Yeah. it's not, I mean, And it's not just the title. Yeah, it's um, Mongo versus Hennig for the title. Good versus evil. Pretty much. Can Mongo get the revenge from the Four Horsemen? For the Four Horsemen. But, yeah, I just don't, like I said, I like the segment. It was really, really good. It was funny. It made me hate him. Um, uh, props to Six for teasing like he's going to throw the robe into the crowd. Oh, yeah. And then not. Amazing. I'm pretty sure Flair is somewhere watching about to shit himself, thinking that's my $5,000 robe. What are <laughs> you doing? But I love this. I loved every bit of it, but just didn't like where it was. And, of course, you mentioned Piper. We get the Hogan-Piper package where we're going to get Hogan and Piper in a cage at Halloween Havoc. Oh, happy, happy, joy, joy. I'm sure hope nothing goes wrong there. More on that later. <laughs> but speaking of things I really am hyped for, it's this next match. It is a cruiserweight title match with your champion, Eddie Guerrero putting his belt on the line versus Ultimo Dragon. God, put this in my veins. Yeah, this one, this one checks all the boxes. Yeah. Uh, wrestlers I care about, check. Love Ultimo. He's their one once upon a time Thanos. 
We called him that because he had like nine nine cruiserweight belts from around the world at once. We called him the, the Thanos of wrestling. The J Crown. I yeah. I remember when he and Sonny was it Sonny Ono showed mm-hmm. up on Nitro draped in gold. Yep. <laughs> As a kid, you're just like, oh my th- you immediately this guy's a big deal. I've never heard of him before, but you're telling me he's a Japanese legend and he shows up with 10 titles. I agreed. I, I, yeah, I believe you. You could tell me he invented pro wrestling and I believe you. Cause like, yeah, obviously he's got all these belts. You don't just yep. get belts. Yep. Yeah. I loved it. That's what we, we just called him the Thanos of wrestling. <laughs> and then we have everybody's favorite heel, Eddie Guerrero. Oh, who? Man. As of recording, I hate to bring the be the bummer. Passed away seventeen years ago today. It's been seventeen years. Oh my god! I I didn't realize it'd been that long. Yeah, two thousand five. Mm. Eddie Guerrero, man. He, I've told my again talking to my wife about you know you know guys from the past. He's one I've told her. We could go back and rewatch it, man. But it, it you would it is hard to explain just how special Eddie Guerrero was. In just terms of every single aspect of being a wrestler, he was just special. That's just that's the only way to put it. Oh, uh, the the theme through here: the people that can do everything well or something great. Eddie could do everything great. Yeah, he could wrestle as a he could wrestle as a like a luchador here. He could wrestle as a big man. He could talk. He could mat wrestle. He, we talked about Alex Wright never had it. Eddie had it. Eddie had it. And some to give. He was just so good. And God bless the YouTube algorithm because at least once a week I see the um the compilation of Eddie smacking the chair on the mat and then oh. falling down it. I see that once a week and by God I watch it at least twice a week. I, I that, love that it so much. It's such a good bit. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing about Eddie that he did so so well that not everybody can do. He could get over insanely well as a face and as a heel. Oh yeah, he was never as, Yeah, the exact opposite we talked about Regal. Regal had to be heel. Was always yeah. 10 times better. Eddie could go back and forth night to night. Yeah. It didn't matter. And he could do it in the middle of a match cuz he like oh the crowd's hot for this other guy so I need to be a heel. Cool. Crowd's behind me. Okay. He could give you that – he could say, I'm going to take your son from you and fight you for custody in a ladder match, which is weird. He could be the biggest bastard. He also could cut that heartfelt promo of everything he's had to give up to get there. Yep. Eddie, he just – he was special. And there, there is – we could have spent the last two hours talking about how special Eddie is, and we still wouldn't have covered it all. But Eddie Greer was amazing. Yep. I. Uh, yeah, I love this match. I'm going to go Same. ahead and just spoiler. This is going to be an A for me. This was two of the best of their time and the, probably maybe the best of all time at doing this. Going back and forth, they told a great story. From the very beginning of the match, Eddie begins working Ultimo's arm and elbow and shoulder. Why? Because when we get to the end of the match, Ultimo's in control. He goes to put on the dragon sleeper. Well, guess what? His arm's hurting, and he it hurt and he can't do it. <sighs> then Eddie turns around, grabs him with a shoulder breaker. Bam, hurts the arm even more. Frog splash, one, two, three. Butimus. 
And there yeah. was a bunch more. That wasn't the entire match, but that was that was the going home, and it was enough to tell you that. I mean, what I just said is enough to love this match. If they would have yeah. just done that, work the arm, everything I just said, go home, Eddie wins. It's a good match. But then they threw in the extra stuff like, you know, Ultimo fighting from underneath. He's hurt, but he's going to, he's the, he's the baby face. So he's going to valiantly fight back. But then at the end, Eddie's just too big of a bastard and he wins it. It's a beautiful story told in a beautiful manner. Um, of course, these two can work. Nothing, nothing seemed out of place. They sold some, especially that arm. Ultimo was dry, selling that arm like it was about to fall off. I love this. I, this this gets a straight A for me. Yeah, I I love that part too. Because I mean, the the thing is, you would you would not expect these two guys like, oh, it's going to be a work the body type match. We're gonna we're gonna tell us through that one body part. Because these these are two guys that could fly. They could do all the like you said. They could do the lucha stuff. They told that perfect. Um, for me, this is an A plus. This this was this was everything. If you want to show somebody how good wrestling can be, put this match on. It it holds up. one hundred percent. I'll tell you another cool thing I liked about it, and something I wish we saw more nowadays is a uh, tilt a whirl moves. Mm-hmm. Was, I, forget, I forget if it was a tilt a whirl. I think it was a backbreaker, maybe, uh, maybe a power bomb. This is a small thing. I I love that as a kid. There are all these different ways to do that and to incorporate it in. And they, Eddie was always one of the absolute best at doing a tilt a whirl backbreaker, and just in making it look like he just murdered a man on live TV. But he's also incredibly safe. I, it just a plus perfect match. And there was, I'm not even going to, I mean, a and a plus, and there was a slight botch in this match and nothing egregious, just little miss timing on head scissors takedown, but they covered it up and I mean, they didn't cover it up, but you know, it wasn't like, Oh my God, I dropped him on his head and he almost died. So, yeah, but you know, cause mistakes happen. And I'm going to hold that over, especially these two, cause rarely ever see anything like that from both of them. Um, you're talking about tilt whirls. I'd like those. I'd like to bring those back. Bring back back body drops. That's a lot of backs, but yes, I know. Because what's the point? Yeah, I know yeah. a lot of they, people don't want to take them anymore because it's a big bump for what they think is nothing, but it's not. It's not. It's a good move. Use it as a big move. I don't know. It's just something you don't see at all. I saw one on a. Pay per view I watched a couple months ago. I don't even remember what it was. And I'm like, oh my god, I saw it again. Well, yeah. I forget who it was that said it, but it's you know, you see it all the time where people they've been down to make it look like they're going to do it, get kicked in the face, and you never see one. So it's like, why does anybody try it anymore? Because nobody falls for it. So you're right. I think pop bringing that back from time to time, and it doesn't need to be an all the time thing, you no. know. But I, you know, it it would make sense if you from time to time if you had it. Yep. Uh, 100% agree to that because, well, I just said it to begin with. <laughs> but that is, there's, I mean, there's a lot of moves from nowadays that um, stop making the um, super kick a just another move. That one annoys me. Um, pile drivers, bring those back. One Man, person gets hurt and, ah, well, anyway. Yeah. And, anyway. All right, so let's move on. We both love that match. There's, I mean, we could sit here and drool over it all day long, but yeah, yeah. There's nothing. Just go watch it, folks. Go watch that. 
All right, so we'll move on to our main event of the night. And yes, Mongo is in the main event, <laughs> putting his U.S. Stra- U.S. strap on Kurt Henning. Oh, we've seen Mongo for the last year and a half, and all, he's gotten better. But when we first started watching, is when he first started like really getting into the ring, and yeah, it was bad because you they obviously had to cover for what he couldn't do. Like he'd yeah. be in a tag match with Benoit. Benoit would come in and kick the crap out of somebody. Tag Mongo. Mongo would hit a clothesline, power slam, and immediately tag back out and not even try to pin him. I'm just going to say this. Mongo, he was limited in so many ways. He he really was. And it wasn't even like he had the – he was not good in the ring. He was not good on the mic. But damn if you didn't believe he just wanted to do it and do it well. I, and when I started watching wrestling – Mongo was the U.S. champion. It was around that time. So, and I, I the 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 WCW United States title is one of my all-time favorite designs. So, WCW titles just looked prestigious. They looked like something you'd want to fight somebody over. I I love that. I miss that. I think about that belt. The first person I associate with is Mongo. He's got a special place in my heart. I've got a Mongo action figure still in um and I. I don't know how many people you're going to talk to. If they're going to have this. I've got a Mongo action figure. I've got a Disco Inferno action figure. Burn it. I, I'm not proud of that fact. Again, got it as a kid. Whenever this was in the day where I go to the toy store, I'm coming home with a wrestler. I've got yeah. a yeah. I've I've got a Mongo and man. I there's so, there was something about him. He 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 cared. He wanted it. Um, as a person, I think he's a. I I root for him, especially nowadays. Yeah. What with the ALS, but as a I, I've. I always preface this when I talk about Mongo in the ring. It's nothing personal. It's professional. My criticism, nothing against him. Like, I wish him all the best. He wasn't good. And no, if you he think should have been a if, horseman. No, no, never, never. He should never. not have been a horseman. But, he ha- but they had to put him in a faction to hide, keep him yeah. in tag teams, which, okay. And I can almost, if he had, uh, anyway, if you think he's bad in the ring, you think he's bad on the mic? Have you ever heard him when he first got there and started on commentary with the dog? I've heard that, but man, I, I I've heard of it. I have not actually heard it. I don't think I could bring myself to listen to it. Right before we started the podcast, um, we started in June. I for some reason, before I even had the idea of the podcast, like six months before, I wanted to watch some wrestling. So I just picked a whatever day it was that week. I picked a, a nitro and just turned it on. And it was Shivani, I believe Shivani, Zabisco, and – or it might have been Shivani, Heenan. Yeah, it was Shivani, Heenan, and Mongo, I believe. I, it was oh, that's Zabisco. not fair. Yeah, and he's sitting there with a chihuahua. That dog shook so bad because it was so scared. That dog had to just piss on him all night long. It's loud. It's bright. That dog is scared to freaking death. And there, Mongo can't talk. It was awkward. It was terrible. Ah, yeah. Oh so, God. Yeah. Worst commentator, uh, probably of all time. And a lot of that has to do with just because he held a dog. But anywho, <laughs> well, to you, I mean, you're already if it's something you're not good at, and you're put in the same booth as a Heenan. That's mm-hmm. not. That's not even fair to him. No. It. Yeah. All right. Well, Mongo 
in this match, hits the ring absolutely as fast as he can, dives in, but Henning sees him coming, cuts him off, and immediately starts on Mongo's leg. And just every move he can think of, kick the leg, smash the leg, jump on the leg, like play pinochle on the leg, anything it would be to hurt it. He, Kurt Henning started doing it. Um, Mongo tries to give him the slam, but his knee gives out. He finally gets a little bit of a comeback and sets him up for the old three-point stance, a.k.a. the weakest finisher in history. Yeah. But Henning sees it coming, so Mongo whiffs on it. Henning hits the perfect plex. One, two, three. Henning is your U.S. champion. I'll say this couple things about this match michael buffer at the beginning made it feel special oh i forgot to even mention that yeah for a nitro buff and see i was trying to explain this again to my wife last night whenever buffer came out and did the intro god it just it buffer could have made a disco inferno match feel important no he couldn't have he ain't that good that's how confident <laughs> man I, I disagree buffer it just it made it feel just that whole let's get ready to rumble when he would hit it. God, it just you, you it felt like something special was going to happen. Maybe Bruce um, and um, what's his brother's name who does the UFC stuff? Barry. Oh, I, I don't I don't pay attention Maybe. to UFC really. I don't really either, but I know he he does the it's it's time thing. Maybe both of them together could have made me kind of care about a disco match, but I don't think one of them on their own. <laughs> <laughs> but but it just. Buffer man, just hearing I again. This I I will say thank you for letting me come on and talk about this because there are so many cool things that I got to remember from my childhood just doing this. Buffer made it feel special. Henning, watching Henning work and watching him just like you said work the leg. It's another one of it's it it is like a a, a Malenko match where it's like you've got somebody really good in the ring who knows how to. Okay, I know what I'm working with or who I'm working with. I can hide some of this. Yeah. And to Mongo's credit, he you know he tried to sell. I think it was a couple times he forgot to, which leg was hurt, or he forgot that he was supposed to have a hurt leg. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, I'll give him credit. He 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 was putting the effort. I don't remember who it was, but it was somebody you wouldn't imagine would do that. We watched a while ago. Did that like they were working the left leg, left leg, left leg, and he stands up and starts limping on the right one for about four steps, and he stops and goes shit and starts going on the other one i don't remember who it was um listeners out there if you can remember shoot me a message on twitter because i would like to see that again i'd go back and watch it because it was hilarious Um, that was beautiful but this this match was okay it wasn't great it was good um for what especially what they were trying to do which was really just cement the the destruction and burial pretty much of the four horsemen i mean arn anderson's retired Hennig comes in, ter- immediately turns his back on on them, flares out for God knows how long. And Flair just got back a couple months ago. I don't know if this is they need to write him off again, or was this just storyline we're already going to write him off? But Flair's apparently going to be going for at least, I'd say, three or four weeks. Hopefully they keep him off until at least then. 
Um, so we got M- Mongo's yeah. the only one. Oh, they said that Benoit got hurt at the thing last night, which I don't know why. He just got took a back body drop off the cage, which not even really that big of a deal. But apparently he's hurt. So Mongo's the only horseman. Well, he's also the only horseman now without a belt, so his pants are going to fall off. So, yeah. <laughs> this was okay. It wasn't great. I gave it a B. I think we were running on low on times. I think this match needed to be longer. This yeah. this felt like we were hitting hitting some time crunches and let's cuz they were just going boom boom boom. I know Mongo was selling, but Henning wasn't getting time to really milk it in between. So it just kind of felt rushed to me. But it was good. I gave it a B. What about you? I for me I'd say B minus, you know, because it, it did feel rushed. Obviously, you know, Mongo is definitely limited in in what he is capable of in in a match like this. Um, Hurt though, he you know he knows how to carry it. Like I said, I I like the way that he he worked it. Like he told a story, um, and, and I think too what you said about okay, this solidifies Horsemen are dead, NWO is taken over. I think it did serve that purpose really well. I think without the I think without that. Um, Without that, without the title, if the stakes weren't what they were, it would have been a C, C minus, maybe even a D, you know. But I think all of that together to tell the story, I think it brings it up. Yep. I agree. Um, yeah, without last night, if this was just a match like on a random nitro, this was awful. Yeah. But this is one of those where the the whole is better than the sum of its parts. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how that phrase works, right? Yeah, it, it. I will say it's. It is definitely weird. It's um, it's weird that the the match you had right before this Ultimo Dragon and Eddie Guerrero, and then this is the follow up as the main event. Yeah. Uh, yep. Totally. All right. Well, that's going to be the end of Nitro for September fifteenth, nineteen ninety seven, live from the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. We never did get to see Flair except for on the operating table with the cocaine booster in his nose and (laughs) tic-tac-toes on his forehead but oh well it is what it is this is the part of the show where we're going to give our final grade to this show and as always listeners you know that i will average everything out and that's the grade but if i don't like it i'll give bonus points and either raise or lower it so this one averaged out to a B plus, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that great at all because I watched I watched Raw first. Raw was the drizzling shits tonight, let me tell you. Listen to our review because it's a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong with me, Fleck, and our guest, um, uh, uh, Million Dollar Geek comes back. It's a fun, it's a fun review because it's so bad. Putting this show in perspective after watching Raw first, I'm like, this is really good. And even if I wouldn't have watched Raw, this is a really good Nitro. Uh, Andrew, you got lucky because there's been some crap ones. But this one, this one was really, really good. And I didn't like the B-. minus. I'm going to go ahead, and you know what? Talking with you, you've kind of changed my mind a little bit. I was going to give this an A-. minus. I want to take away the minus. This show is just going to get a straight A for me. 
I this really hits home. I liked it, especially after watching Raw and doing the Raw review right before this. Yeah, this just deserves to get an A. This is probably going to be one of the Nitros. This is definitely in contention for Nitro of the Year, show of the year so far. I will say this. It was a good show. I I know how bad WCW could be at points. I also know how, how different wrestling was then versus what it is now. And I may also be caught about some nostalgia. I was entertained. I I, I watched this on a – just to put, put it in perspective, I watched this on a Saturday night. So I don't know what it says about me. I don't know what it says about the show, but I was really entertained. I think an A is completely fair from, from beginning to end. It was it was an entertaining show. It very was. And and then you got to remember, though, this is the time – this is the middle of 83 weeks. This is still good WCW. Yeah. We haven't hit bad WCW. <laughs> We're a few years away from that. And, yeah, so it is what it is. But so we give it – each give it an A. I think that's even – that's rare that even more than one person gives a show an A. We rarely give out A's on here. So that should tell you how good this show really was. All right. So that's been our review. That's our grades. That brings us to plug time. All right, Andrew. This is where you get to tell our listeners where they can listen to you, find you, talk to you on the socials, and the floor is yours, whatever you want to talk about. I appreciate it. So I host the Our Last Meal podcast. Um, it's about grief, loss, and food. Uh, podcast uh, it came to be uh, after the – and I'm sorry. I'm going to bring down like a really fun show by talking about grief for a second. But no, 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 no. You do you. <laughs> I um, you know, I lost my grandfather last year, and as part of the grieving process, I started thinking about just ways I remember him by. One of the things I thought about was uh, some of the food that I associate with my grandparents. Um, from there, I realized, you know, that's actually really common, I think, is that when people lose somebody, there are always foods associated with them. So my show, I talk to the guests about somebody they've lost important in their life. Um, does It's not always death. It can be a breakup. It can be a friendship. It doesn't matter. Um, but just, you know, what kind of relationship did they have? And then, you know, what kind of meals did they have together? How did food play a part of that? So it's all about trying to give people space to come on, talk about somebody that cared that they cared about, um, do it in a way that you know kind of honors that relationship. Talk about food, and just uh, and just try to have an open, honest conversation. Uh, if you're interested, our last meal is on uh, Apple, Spotify, any kind of podcast. Uh, our last meal uh, uh, podcast dot com or our last meal pod on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, which TikTok's still weird to me. Try them, but. Yeah, come check it out if you're interested. All right. Yeah, definitely go give them a listen. And, of course, if you're just listening to us for the first time, maybe because Andrew's here, we are on Twitter and Instagram at AEWRpod. Or if that character limit or that evil Elon Musk has ran you off and you need to email us, you can send us an email at AEWR or AEWR316 at gmail.com. That's how emails work. And, oh, you can also listen to me on my other podcast with my friend Brandon, where we are going through Star Wars chronologically in timeline order. And that is Across the Stars Pod. And you can reach us on Twitter at Across Stars Pod. Just take out the the. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us tonight. Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It has been an absolute blast. 
and I'm so glad we got to watch a good Nitro because I signed these long before I know what they are. And I've had some people come on and end this thing and say, why the hell did you make me watch this? <laughs> but I'm going to assume you were happy to watch this. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. I, I appreciate it. Let me come on. All right. Well, thank you. And you're welcome back anytime you want to watch some wrestling. All right. For Andrew and Arnold, who is on assignment, I am Drew, your armchair booker of the year. And, oh, I forgot to explain this. because I never explained this to the guest the first time, but you get to play referee and you get to count us, count us out. So I am on my back looking up at the lights. One, two, three. Peace. Peace.